You're listening to the WKRP Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most interesting city between Steamboat and Callahan. Today on the Diatribe, power in the Mile High City. Who's got it, who lost it, who wants it, and who's taking his to Canada? I'm Vanessa Martinez. In studio with me today are Diatribe co-hosts Josh Johnson, Joel Warner, and Jared Japang Mayor. Morning, fellas. Morning. Hey. So we're foregoing a guest this week so that uh, we can talk about a few topics instead of just be, uh, um, uh, you know, subjected to, to one. Um, and there's a theme running through all of them, and that is power. And uh, so we decided that we're going to start off the conversation with um, 5280's 50 power list. And it is essentially a list of who the magazine thinks um, are the top 50 people running Denver. Um, these lists obviously uh, usually wrinkle a lot of uh, folks for good reason. Most Mostly people lists do, but... Um, this year, it's it's gotten a little bit. Uh, it's gotten some press because some people, uh, some, some 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 somewhat influential people, women in particular, uh, raised the fact that there aren't very many women on the list, and that they think there are more women in Denver who deserve to be on the list. Um, the response, I think, mostly from um, the fifty two eighty staff, has been: this isn't a list of who we wish ran Denver; it's who is runs Denver. Um, which led to then another conversation about uh, 5280's methodology for selecting these people. And um, that's kind of where, you know, I've been thinking about this since since I saw this uh, conversation pop up on Twitter and, and a, a Facebook page has actually been made called uh, 5280 Magazine Fail by some of the people who are on Twitter um, who, who just feel very passionately about this issue. And, no, not uh, much is happening on that Facebook page. No, it's, no, it's, there's like 29 like likes. Updates. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, Facebook page. If you're gonna go out to the <laughs> Facebook page, you wanna, you wanna have some activity. I think what happened. It seems like what happened was there was um, a lot of activity on Twitter one night, and then it it went to the Facebook page, and then it just died out, like yeah. most Twitter conversations do, because all the people who really are involved with Twitter move on to the next conversation in about five minutes or less. Yes. So. Um, but but Lynn Bartles then picked it up and wrote about it, blogged about it for the Denver Post. So it did get a little bit, it, 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 its life was extended for a little bit longer. And uh, the magazine's out there for a month. And I think there are, at least I certainly have had conversations with people about it because I think, um, it, it, you know, regardless of whether it's the women issue or, or something else, there's pe- a lot of people have problems with it. But, but um, well, first off, who, who are the people that they name as the most powerful people in Colorado who are like the top five? Hmm. You're in the top ten. Top Jared. five, yeah. Actually, Diatribe um, is number ten. Diatribe <laughs> hosts and co-hosts. Actually, no. Who kidding. beat us? I mean, come on. Um, I you know, stupid, John Hickenlooper, number one. Yeah. The Did Southlands beat us again. <laughs> Southlands actually, they 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 came in uh, right after Michael Hancock. Anyway, okay, so John Hickenlooper, our governor, number one. Dean Singleton, uh, Media News, number two. Michael Hancock, three. Roxanne White, who is the chief of staff in the governor's office, number four. Um, Cole Finnegan, five. Norman Brownstein and Steve Farber, six. Larry Mizell, seven. Phil Anschutz, eight. Michael Bennett, nine. And Maria Garcia Berry, ten. So, and I think number 11 is actually really interesting. It's the Latino block. Um, they just lumped them all into one. All, into, all into one, yeah. which uh, that, I actually think I have more criticism of that than anything else, but 
Um, I I kind of want to. I want to know what you guys think. So you have to put them all in one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, exactly. Wow. But you know, I'm glad I make an appearance somewhere on this because (laughs) you you are number eleven. I am number eleven. And you know, next year maybe we can shoot for Diet Was there with my 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 list power? I can maybe I can maybe get us on next year. We'll see. Did the white guy block make it for Joel and I? But isn't isn't that the the complaint about or one of the main complaints I guess about this this particular list is that it is essentially the powerful white guy block? Sure. That, yeah. 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 I mean, they could have just said number one, powerful white guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then moved on, and then we would have seen where women actually fall, because where are powerful? You know, where who where the where do the powerful white women fall? I know one of the arguments was that you know therefore you know there should have been uh, the female voter block was one of the things I think like one like one of the Twitter or Facebook. Somewhere I saw that. Yeah, in the in the <laughs> Lynn Bartles post, actually, she interviewed. Um, I can't remember who it was either, but somebody who does some campaign, either organizing or or fundraising or something like that. Who said who said that? Now if here's you, now here's one thing. I mean, they've done this before. This sure. isn't the first time they've sure. done a power. I think it's I think it's longer now. I think it used to be ten. And I'm like, well, if we can do ten, we might as well do fifty. Next year it'll be sixty-three. It'll just you know keep expanding because that's what they do. And every time that this same discussion comes up, there's not enough women on the list. On one hand, I do kind of agree with 5280. You know, it is just the way things, unfortunately, still tend to be, which sucks. However, in some ways, I think Denver's a little bit unique. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not really recognized. I think, I think in general, and you guys can kind of correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think there are actually more powerful women in this city than in other cities of comparable size. I think we actually have some really strong personalities, like... Like Marcy, uh, Maria Garcia Barry is one of these huge figures that no one ever really kind of talks about here in Denver, but she's had power for years. Right. Yeah, I mean, she's been on the top of these these types of lists since the early 90s and even in the 80s. Yeah, yeah and uh, she's actually listed here as new, but I think she was on an old list of theirs because when I first moved to Denver, yeah, she I should be on every list. She's yeah. she's. I mean, I, in some ways, I like. I think I'd like to see a story like looking at the women in power and what they do within the city. And comparing it to other cities, I mean, it seems in some ways it seems that kind of the libertarian streak, the kind of the late rise of Denver in the 1980s, kind of gave some more opportunities for young or younger enterprising women who now have these kind of really strong. So, roles. so wait, I'm confused, Joel. Do you think that that women are fairly represented on this list, or do you, I mean, what do you think of the criticism that there's not enough women on these lists? That 5280 dropped the ball in not naming more women. Do you think it sounds like you're saying that there are there are more. There are more women who deserve to be a, a part I of I think this so. Us. I think it's also just uh, it's an issue that that I think deserves more coverage than say just sticking them certain uh, certain places on a list of people. Yeah, I think you should look into the issue in general. I also think you need to be careful not to, as as a friend of mine says, put them in the pink ghetto and only look at women in by themselves as the Latino block, as the Latinos have now been yeah. put in there. Little number eleven ghetto right here. Um, it isn't the far corner of that page. It is. <laughs> hey, oh, it's bottom a, right. It's right side. What, what did they put know. a fence around them? To keep them <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, what did you think about this list? Did you? Uh, um, you know, about the makeup of this. Personally, my my problems with the list are that you know this very mel- well maybe and and it sure does look to represent um what fifty two eighties readership I think would consider to be um powerful. I think there's a, for, there's a a, a problem with the definition with defining it and how I, you know I, I really don't i was surprised because 5280 really goes to great lengths to do these really detailed methodologies for things like their top schools and 
um, all of their other lists that they put together, doctors. And with this one, we just have an introductory paragraph that starts with, what is power? Come on, really with that question? I, I think that's a little bit condescending, and it seems off tone for a list What like is this. power? Webster's <laughs> Dictionary <laughs> defines exactly. power yeah. as... <laughs> but they don't even do it what? that way. It's just like you're, you're talking about like powerful people in terms of a mostly public sector here. So we've got government, we've got um, education... Um, but you know, this is, a, so who is this powerful? What does that mean? I think there needs to be more definition of how they got to this, what, what makes them qualified, you know, what, what they're doing that qualifies them throughout. It's not always obvious to people. I think to us, because we're reporters and because we follow things like this, we get where they're coming from. But I think for the general public, a lot of people need more explanation than that. And they deserve it. Well, I, I think inherently with a list like this when you try to create something that's as definitive like these are the powerful people uh you're never going to please everybody no you're, you're for always sure. going to sort of fail on many many metrics so you have to just make decisions based on that and i'm i don't i don't know what their particular methodology was but i bet it's you go out you interview a lot of people and you get them to say who do you think holds the most sway and power and then you try to um rank based, rank yeah. and then you you know, maybe put other people up on the list in, in terms of other types of power they can hold rather than just political sway and, and money. But, you know, I'm looking at this list and I'm like, well, I think they did a pretty good job in terms of uh, getting the people who do have a lot of the um, sway when it comes to getting things done. They attend the right parties. They are sort of the elite of the state. And it does really exist. If you're, you know, I know this from, you know, even covering Denver uh, for Westward for a number of years, you would just always see the exact same group of people um, attending the, the parties, I being think involved you, with so, the lobbying but that doesn't, I don't So think showing up to a party, if I want to get some uh, power grabbing here in Denver, i got to show up at a It's party. about being inside of if this network right is what you're suit. saying. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. You, and, it's, and it's very much they're run by politics. Is, it's the same people behind all it's the big... It's a small town. Behind all the big town. real right, estate deals, behind all the big political contributions. They're the ones that when you do need to get a highway built somewhere that you know they are able to pull a lot of strings and talk to a lot of people because they have these relationships. But then, so the I question mean, becomes, and how often, then why do the list? Because if the same people are going to be on it every year, doesn't that make it predictable and boring? Well, they don't do this every year. No, every but it's like every other year, yeah. something like that. And if and but it still gets conversation, as you can you know, as demonstrated by yeah. us talking about it. So and I do think that it's short sighted in that it's not just Denver that's represented here. Like there is, they do reach into some other place. Like Brad Feld is on the list, which he lives in Boulder. If you're going to go into Boulder, then we need to go into Colorado Springs. And we've got there should be people from the Air Force on this list. There should be more people in the tech industry on this list. I mean. The truth is, is that when you're talking about power, we're, we're I, I think it's not defined where is this power? Because we've got people in this state who have influence over national and international types of policies and, and business that, quite honestly, I think make a lot more, you know, make a lot more difference, could have a bigger impact on our lives than a lot of people on this list. So, I mean, I think it, it's, it's just a matter of defining and really figuring out what that is because I think then you'll end up having more defense of your list when you have these conversations. And sure, that the whole point of this is to, say, like you said, Joel, to start the conversation. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a ploy in that way too. So, anyway, do you guys have anything else to say about the? Well, I mean, should we list? say that uh, any suggestions of people that we feel that were left off? Mm. 
Absolutely. So anybody listening who wants to send us um, some ideas about who should be on this top 50 list, wherever they may be and whoever they may be, we are on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on the Denver Diatribe Facebook page. Leave us some messages there or send them to us via Twitter and we will um, respond, hopefully in a timely way. Um, let's move on to our, our next topic, though, Jill, because we've got um, a, kind of a power shift happening in the um, uh, in that Richard Rosenthal, who is Denver's um, independent, independent monitor, monitor uh, who you wrote about last year for Westward, is going to be leaving. And um, first of all, I don't think a lot of people know who he is at all. And or what the independent monitor, yeah, right. yeah, or yeah. what he does, and what kind of impact do you think this might have on on Denver? Yeah, I think the best way to describe who who Richard Rosenthal or what he does here in the city is to say that he's the guy who polices the police. Now, now a lot of places have someone that they say polices the police, but in many ways, Denver is pretty unique in that. I think beyond any other city in the country, they've given this one guy, the independent monitor, more sweeping powers to actually look at cases of potential internal corruption or, you know, um, any, t- any type of internal complaints filed against police officers, this guy, Richard Rosenthal, basically follows them literally like every step of the way from when, from when the complaint is first filed to the final d- uh, determination of what's going to happen to this police officer. And while he can't actually kind of veto the decision of the... Uh, is it the public safety head? That's who. That's who. Yeah, the, the manager thing. of public safety. Um, I mean, he can, you know, he has a huge amount of sway. And if he disagrees with what the public safety manager uh, decides in each case, basically he has an obligation to go to the public and say, actually, that this is wrong. That and he, and he issues disagree. periodic reports. Yeah, really he issues uh, the quarterly reports in terms of the, uh, the stats, in terms of how many complaints there are and the results. He doesn't, doesn't put names out there. But in many cases, the way that he describes them, if they've gotten press, you actually know exactly who he's talking about. Well, and that's something. So let's let's put this into a situation that people would would really be able to uh, see where he's had an impact, which has been recently with. I mean, the last couple of years, all of the um, the the lawsuits that have been brought against police officers in Denver for various accusations, Wrongful arrest, yeah. police brutality. Yeah. Yeah. And actually. He played a big role. In many ways, in terms of the blow up of the whole kind of Denver police brutality uh, controversy, much of it started based on this one case. Is it uh, Michael? Michael. So Michael D. Herrera, which which uh, the case made national news because someone, um, actually the police's surveillance cameras uh, captured the police basically beating the crap out of this guy basically for using, for calling his dad who happened to be a sheriff's deputy I think on a cell phone, um, you know, and just his video and just how just how just incendiary it was and made, made national news. Now, one of the big steps was the fact that the city's new measure of safety came out and kind of cleared the cops who, you know, who the complaint was filed about about this about the attack. And at that point, Rosenthal went out in the public and said, I completely disagree. And he even went on a Good Morning America like the next day. And, you know, Good Morning America's there. And he's like, yes, I, I disagree with the ruling in between the fact that who you have uh, Richard Rosenthal, national TV, saying that he disagrees, coupled with this really violent video, it just you know made yeah. Made and in a news. lot of ways, that uh, we had just gotten a brand new manager of safety, and yeah. He had made that decision, and then when uh, a lot of ways that Richard Rosenthal came out and said, "I think this is bullshit," and that kind of led to the 
downfall of uh, what was his name? Pereira. Ron Pereira. Ron yeah, Pereira. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ron, Ron Pereira, who really lasted, I think, like a month. Yeah, he just, he, that guy. Well, that's another thing in this is that Denver has had obviously, a, uh, you know, this is a problem. The manager of safety position has been, you know, in the last few years on on a turnover that's I think a lot higher than anybody would ever have, I mean, anybody would ever really want for that position. Yeah. So now that Rosenthal's leaving, where does this leave? I mean, a lot of these cases are still un- undecided. Un- undecided. So it is a big question. I mean, Rosenthal basically stepped into the position. This position, like, he basically made the position. He was the first one, and this was like uh, it was like 2003 or so. This was this was in the fallout of the big Paul Childs case, which was a mentally handicapped. It was a mentally handicapped young man who was shot and killed, and it was a huge controversy. They created this position. They said, okay, we're we're going to give someone real authority to look at these cases and they found the perfect person in many ways this guy richard rosenthal um here was someone who was in the middle of basically the biggest police corruption case in the country uh the rampart scandal in los angeles which basically like they basically made a movie out of it it was in the it was one of the grand theft auto games it was this huge big deal case and here was this here was this young hotshot da who was in the middle of it and kind of fighting the good fight and he had to get out of los angeles because you know, he wasn't safe anymore, blah, blah, blah. So he stepped into this role and really made it his own. And he's flourished in it. And he's been protected. He's safe because basically the police hate him as well as the police activists hate him. And in some ways, you know... The, anti- the, pol- the Anti-Police Brutality Act. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the cop watch guys hate him. So in some ways, that kind of protected him. No, you know, Mike, Michael Hancock wasn't going to get rid of him because, I mean, in some ways, he was the one guy in the center. So basically, I mean, this... This position was his, and now he's stepping out of it. So well, well, I mean, and, and so there is a panel set up that they are going to be looking for a new replacement for him, a yeah. new independent monitor. Uh, but what I'm wondering, Joel, is why do you think that he, that Richard Rosenthal, has decided to leave now? He's going to take a new job in British Columbia, kind of a similar job. But was there something to do with his timing when you had done the big story about him uh, a year ago? Did did you kind of sense that he was looking for a way out? No, I think, you know, I think um, I asked him flat out then, like, look, like, well, what do you see? And the guy seems like a pretty honest guy. He, he, like, he wasn't your typical kind of politician, like, looking for the perfect answer. Because in some ways, he's comfortable. He doesn't have to. And, I, you know, he wasn't really looking for, like, a job in politics and maybe, maybe a DA position at that point. But I think in some ways, he wanted a new challenge. I think he wanted a bit, you know, I think he wanted some more prestige. He did apply or um, to be the head of the National Association of, of Police. Um, independent monitors. Yeah, independent monitors, and he didn't get it. So maybe so maybe wanted more authority. There might have been more money. But, but I don't think he was forced out, nor did I, did I really think he was like, man, I got to get out of this town. Yeah, I mean, it seems me. to me, though, that, yeah, he did have this kind of really independent authority that he was able to go and examine all these cases and um, issue these reports. But I would have to imagine that that's... After a while, you just need a job where you're not eating bowls of shit every single day, yeah. right? I mean, that, that was pretty much his job. That's why, and this in, in, in a lot of, in a lot so of ways, the mayors work. wanted him there, the, um, the manager of safety wanted him there, the city council wanted him there, because he's the guy that, when there are these really difficult uh, decisions to deal with, these politically difficult cases involving the police and brutality, he's the guy that is going to be tasked with the responsibility of handling that one way or the other. So you're pretty much just eating bowls of shit. 
at the same time, yes. And that, now, what's you know, so well described in the in the Wire? I mean, the <laughs> yeah. the bowls of shit that you're eating politically every single day. I mean, that was pretty much his role. And of course, you know, why would you want to continue in that role? I I have a sense that he had been looking for a way out, but wanted to move through enough years where he felt that there was a enough of a change, or that change was occurring within the Denver Police Department in terms of these disciplinary cases. And I'm. I would be interested, or I, I would speculate that the hiring of uh, the new police chief, uh, what's his name, Robert White, police chief Robert White, maybe had something to do with it. Oh. Right? Gerald Whitman's gone. You bring in Robert White, who is an avowed um, person of change, who's going to go in, who's demonstrated that he's gone into police departments and really cleaned it up. Someone like Robert White comes in, Richard Rosenthal might say, okay, I can sort of leave this... Uh, leave these bowls of shit and let someone else eat it for a while. Maybe? Maybe. I just think he was looking for, you know, the, the, the best opportunity for him. I think it was, I think if the, if the right job had come along one year ago, he would have left then. I don't think he was necessarily waiting. I think he was just looking for it. One thing that, you know, since we're, since we're talking about this whole kind of power thing, I know one of the things that defines power is not fucking up, right? Is, you know, is not making a big mistake, you know. Like Hickenlooper has a pretty good ratio of not fucking up in general. So I'm, I'm trying to think back, and I can't remember Richard Rosenthal like ever really making a big mistake, which is in some ways really amazing. Here he is. Yes, he. Yes, in some ways he's really kind of kind of insulated. However, this is really fine kind of tightrope where you know you you can't you can't go too hard on the police, but you also can't. You know, can't go easy on him as we saw with Ron Perea, who lasted a month because he was way too easy on the police. Here's someone who really kind of did not make one big fuck up his entire time here, which in some ways is pretty impressive. I don't know. I, I I think that there was a lot of cases where he he stepped out and you know he did decide to you know on top of issuing in a report or inside of his reports decided to point out a very specific case and earned a whole heap of ire and scorn from the Denver police and in particular the Denver Police Union, which are very powerful within city government. And uh, so I would, you know, that... But he has been worse from from whose perspective? Yeah, I mean, fuck up from the public perspective. Even if that's happened, it hasn't really kind of hurt his, you know, his credibility, because in in some ways the the police union's so disrespected anyway, it's not like, oh, no, the police union hates him. In some ways, that's actually kind of a badge of honor in this town. So, I mean, more in general for the for the public yeah well uh, let, let's move on speaking of uh um you know I, it, whether he had a fall for, from grace or not sounds like he probably didn't it was by choice um but uh in other uh falls from grace tom martino is making some news again this week jared i know you're um really great friends with him um <laughs> i'm wondering if you uh can give us a little bit of background about why he's in the news right now oh god okay tom martino the troubleshooter <laughs> anyone who has lived in Denver uh, for more than five years. Well, remember, Tom Martino's history as the uh, consumer advocate for Denver goes back decades. I mean, in the 80s, he had his troubleshooter show on, uh, I think maybe he was on, formerly on Channel 7 or Channel 9. He's jumped a couple he's times. Jumped, he's jumped yeah. a couple times. Most recently, he was on Fox 31. But his whole, his whole shtick is that he's going to be out there going and fighting for the little guy, uh, you know, running out, camera in hand, exposing all the crooks and liars and uh then in 
in the past 10 years, he's kind of merged from that, where he now has this television, or he had a, a radio show and this television show on Fox 31 called Martino TV. And then this, what he called the referral network. So you become part of the troubleshooter network. Basically, you're a business, uh, you're a drywalling company or a plumber. And then Tom Martino would give you his endorsement if you paid him. And the, the, just the, the huge you know, cesspool of conflict of interest that this guy existed in has just been mind-boggling uh, to a, a, particularly a lot of people in journalism in uh, Colorado for, for years and years and years. And so then it comes out uh, in September that he had filed for bankruptcy. This, this guy who counsels people every single day about, uh, about their debt and how to get out of debt and the right ways to handle banks and manage their money appropriately Turns out he had to declare bankruptcy because of bad real estate investments. And not just, you know, not just like he was underwater on a home. He reported assets of $1.37 million. So, uh, you know, $1.3 million of assets. And then $78.6 million in debt. So that's how much he owes in debt, just this one guy. <laughs> and what, what, what emerged was just all of these really bad uh, bad deals or these, these deals that he had gotten into for real estate investments and other types of investments here in Colorado that had flopped. And then also these really shady maneuvers to try to either hide that debt or borrow more money to pay off these, uh, to pay off these other loans. And uh, it's, it's just really, really astounding how finally all of these chickens that Martino has been running around um, are coming home to roost. And it's, they're, you know, he, like, they, 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 they're uh, all roosting. Fox 31 canceled his <laughs> Martino TV. He's still on Fox 31, but, or I'm sorry, he still has this radio show and his referral network, but uh, these, his creditors, his, the people that he owes the debt to are fighting him in bankruptcy court because they say that he's done things like transferred a number of these assets that he does have over to his wife, Holly, to avoid having to have those liquidated to pay off the creditors. Uh, but he keeps firing back at anyone who writes in him. He's uh, pitching himself as a victim of the of the media. Right. Right. Trying and this week, he's at his the headline is actually about a credit card company that is seeking payment from him, um, won't actually take his money. So and this is a, it's just a strange thing. But I, what I want to know, are people still giving him money? Like, do people are do enough people know about this? Is he still like counseling people and and they just don't know that he's I bet got, I bet that's the case. I think there's certain there's certain people who just kind of associate this name Tom Martino with the as old, this voice of authority, you know, and so they're just going to keep throwing money at. Them, well, at I, I was always amazed that that anyone would would continue to give him money um, these these businesses that want his endorsement even before this bankruptcy uh, just because of the, the shady relationships that he has and his awful track record but uh, I would I would venture to guess that he's probably lost a good number of these people that were paying him significant amount of money in order to gain his en endorsement because it's uh, you know it's been a string of just bad press for him in these uh, these uh, bankruptcies Jared yes Josh <laughs> Don't you have some sort of speckled <laughs> history with this with this guy? Isn't there? What's well, it, the story again? Yes, I, I've heard this. Thank you for asking, Josh. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. 
uh, softball uh, pitch right there. Some people, some people, some people might remember uh, my time at Westward, where I actually had a, a very personal tussle with Mr. Martino, tussle. and it was it was it was one of the it was one of the most entertaining and fun experiences of my journalism career. Basically, I'd been writing several stories about a, the, these really shady side business deals, even some of these uh, real estate deals, where he was right down the street from our studio at the Five Points Media Center at. Uh, Park Avenue West in Welton, he owned all of these properties as an investment that were these abandoned homes that had been were, you know, filled with homeless squatters and drug users who were shooting up in the garage right across the street from an elementary school. <laughs> and, uh, and he took issue with that. And he was threatening over a, over a period of months to basically sue Westward for liable. But then what he ended up doing was getting one of his producers to pretend to be a source to call me up, I got this phone call. Hey, uh, I got this tip for you. It's about uh, this this uh, poker ring that involves state senators and blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. And he said he had all these documents, but he wanted to meet me. So he wanted to meet me at this McDonald's. So I drive up there, and it turned out that it was a setup by Martino. Jumps out of the bushes with Busted. the camera. Jared, Jared, no. what? why are you going after me? Why are you trying to uh, write all these falsehoods about me? Blah blah blah, and I, I ended up driving off, and then uh, and then he tried to show up to my to our offices at Westward, and I was uh, decided not to go into the office. I kind of went to a coffee shop instead. But uh, the most hilarious part of this was then he posted this video uh, online about how I was a coward and how I was running from him, and how I was a bad journalist who can't check his facts. And then the photo that he actually posted, like, who is Jared this Jared? Mayor who is this man? Was one that one that they had gotten. They had just put my name into Google Image, I think. And this photo that was actually of Adam Caton Holland, the comedian, <laughs> came up. And they, I, they, they had Adam Caton Holland's photo as, as me. This is Jared Jacang Mayor. Uh, and then of course Adam uh, made this totally hilarious uh, video response We're, to it. Yeah, should we post that? Yeah, 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 we, we need to. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, anyway, we'll post that it, on our so blog. for me, it's just personally entertaining to finally see all this uh, sickening stuff that Martino's been involved in finally sort of arriving at his doorstep and being out there. The chickens in, the in some ways coming uh, coming back to his doorstep and then roosting there. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, yes. Chicken metaphors laughing. <laughs> um, let's get into some love and hate because I don't think we have very much time left. Josh, you want to start us off? Um, sure. <laughs> I have a, I have a hate that I'm I'm sure is is very common, but I I really can't stand the the uh, getting a boot on your car. Have you got a boot? Yeah, yeah, I got a boot. I got oh, a boot a couple man. weeks ago. Would anybody ever give that a love? No, of course. no. But it's it's the the way that it, the way that the system is set up really, it it bothers me. I paid them five hundred bucks, and now I got a notice a week later after they took the boot off saying that I have to pay them. $350 more or I will get another boot. What? And you can really sort of see how a couple tickets, and I've been sending them money, you know. You can really sort of see how a couple tickets, um, and then they seize your car, you lose your job, you end up homeless. It really, I know that sounds, <laughs> I know that sounds like a, a slippery slope that's made up, but if, imagine if you're a single mom and you have to pay $780. Is this like a lifetime after-school movie that you're going to work out now? Try. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's an issue. I just don't, I come and seize my property. The boy who was booted. Like, where did Johnson I where story. did I sign where did I sign something saying if I park on the city streets I'm at risk of having my property seized? 
Josh, that's totally unfair. I know someone that you should call. Troubleshooter. He'll <laughs> <laughs> stand up for the little guy. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you pay him. Yeah. Right. As much money, if right. not more. Right. So bit. instead of paying the 340 bucks, I'm now paying 7 bucks a day to park because it's cheaper. Yeah. Sorry about that. Joel? Okay, I have a love. Actually, I have, I have a double love. One, I'm going to love on Josh because he was going to love on what I'm loving and he didn't love. So, therefore, I love on Josh for not <laughs> loving on my love, if that makes sense. Why don't you just, Which is, why don't you just my turn, love turn around and is, uh, give him a kiss? I, I might. <laughs> I don't know if all our studio audience would want me to, but maybe later. <laughs> An extended version. Anyways, I'm going to love on, on Broadway Productions, which is the karaoke operation at the Star Bar oh. that Josh and I enjoyed last night. Yeah. I think the guy's name. Like it's like Doctor Mason or yeah, Doctor Mason, like and yet this card says something completely different, like Tony Rich. But <laughs> he's like the best karaoke DJ I think of all time, and here's why: because he actually lays a real, actually man's the controls. So if you get up there and you're really good, you know, if you're gonna sing like that really kind of tear-provoking like fucking Adele song that some woman got last night and just belt the shit out of it, you know, he'll bring the voice up and you can really enjoy it. And then you have us, and then you have folks like me and Josh that get up there. And he turns and, it down. Yeah, he turns it down. Did you guys so. do another Springsteen song? No. no. Bon Jovi. We did Under Pressure. We did Under Pressure. Oh. By Queen and Bon Jovi. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think we under need to have pressure. a karaoke episode. You could. <laughs> that no. could be brutal. So he, just, <laughs> so he just like rocked the control so well that it was actually this complete like democratic experience where everyone could enjoy it and appreciate talent where there was talent and not really hated if there wasn't. Plus, he he shows everybody up when he is. If you ever go there, ask him to sing Queensrÿche. Oh, it's a, it's it's it's. He's ridiculous. got a, like this '80s metal operatic voice. What yeah. night does he do this? Thursdays at the Star Bar, starting at like 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. It is it is a good time. So I shall love on that. Yeah, that's, that's it. awesome. Jared. So, uh, if, have you guys been following this thing with Patrick Sullivan, the former Arapahoe County Sheriff, that got oh yes for I love it having uh for trying to trade. <laughs> meth for sex and all these torrid uh things that he's been involved with well the my hate is wayne logison who's a columnist for the colorado springs gazette oh wayne who's kind of a uh libertarian rhetorical bomb thrower uh had a really interesting take on uh the patrick sullivan case what he was what basically logison's uh take on his recent column was that Patrick Sullivan has apparently been uh, a very huge proponent of gun control laws during his time as Arapahoe County Sheriff, one of the most uh, biggest, biggest uh, people that were law enforcement people that were out there trying to promote uh, stricter uh, gun control laws, particularly after Columbine. Well, Logason was trying to claim that there is a relationship between people who are against the sec- Second Amendment and people who want to trade meth for sex. Logason said... If recent charges against Sullivan prove true, his contempt for gun rights should make more sense. Criminals are people who seek forcible control over others. They abhor gun rights, which empower victims. Uh, kind of a kind of twisted logic there, but um, I'm glad he brought it up because now I know that you know next time I hear people out there promoting uh, stricter laws against guns that they're probably secretly trying to smoke meth and. And you can buy meth from them. Yeah, yeah. Then you know where to get meth. Yeah, in case you're like, like, it's kind of savvy. You guys are just figuring this out. (laughs) (laughs) You've known this. You've known this. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. 
Did you yeah. did you see that Patrick was uh, locked up in, in a jail named after him? Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's Patrick <laughs> Sullivan County Jail. Right, he's locked up. In and now apparently, what Arapahoe County made a, a new law saying that you can't name a road or a building after someone until they're dead. Just they, in they, case they're they really did. Yeah. yeah. But what if what if they find out like once they've actually died that they were selling meth? Yeah. Then what I do know. they do? They have to they're making they're making new law. They'd be dead as well as not selling meth. <laughs> and then they'll make a deal. And then they'll make a jail. Maybe we should just start with the meth and, and, and yeah, think that about death later. <laughs> From my cold, dead hands, will you take my meth, Wayne Loggison? Well, I'm going to give some love to, um, because it's, you know, holiday time and everybody's going, you know, kind of shopping crazy. And, and I really, I, I liked the uh, group on... Um, conversation y'all had last week which i i wasn't a part of but i would have given some love to the iheart denver store which is a fully local totally local store right across this, uh the way from uh h&m which is where everybody's going right in the now denver pavilions in the pavilions yep on the second floor and there are some really fantastic things in there um everything from uh cups and glasses and clothes and artwork jewelry um, from some really, really wonderful um, artists here in, in Denver, Denver local, yeah. and it's it's really professional. the sh- the 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 store itself is really put together very well. It's it's just nice to look at. It's nice to be inside of, and um, the Denver Design Incubator is also based there, which is uh, is is kind of partially responsible for making a lot of these wonderful retail things happen here in Denver. I so second, I second that love. Yeah, it's really great. If so, you know, forget H and M. H and M is going to really be, you know, it'll be there for a while. We need we need to support our locals. I heart Denver store, um, and we just lost Joel, so I think it's time for us to wrap up. Um, and so, uh, if you have something to say about today's topics or would like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at seven two zero two eight two yell. That's seven two zero two eight two nine three five five. Every week, we'll pick our favorite messages and play them on the show. Our theme music is The Band Houses off their summer EP. And you can subscribe to the Denver Diatribe podcast on iTunes and Google Listen. And say hello to us on Facebook or Twitter. For more information, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com. I'm Vanessa Martinez. On behalf of my co-hosts, Josh Johnson, Jared Warner, and, or Jared King <laughs> Mayer, and Joel Warner, uh, thanks for listening.